Our second lesson from the scriptures today comes from the last chapter of the Gospel of John. In fact, the bulletin says chapter 20. I'm reading from chapter 21. The verses are right, but not the chapter. So 21, beginning at verse 9 from the Gospel of John. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were, hung, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, Jesus said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. So if you've been watching television a little bit in these recent weeks, especially if you've been watching television during the March Madness NCAA Basketball Championships, you probably saw a commercial from a certain insurance company. This insurance company has been building on a certain theme, and the theme is humans, as in we're only human, picking up on a familiar and popular song, we're only human. Now, in one particular commercial, and they had lots of them, Uh, There were three vignettes of humans doing athletic things that create minor problems. In the first vignette, the guy's playing basketball in his backyard and he goes and dunks on his basket and he lets go of the basketball rim and his basketball rim falls and crashes right into the hood of his car. This is what happens to humans. Then a second vignette, there's another guy working out in his garage, exercising, practicing, kicking and punching a punching bag. And he turns and with his kick misses the bag and hits a support in the garage. And the whole storage section of his garage comes crashing down onto his car. This is what happens to humans. Finally, two guys are throwing a football at a tailgate event and an errant pass hits a grill that's burning and waiting for nice hamburgers or hot dogs to be put on it and the basket and the football knocks the grill over and the 
coals and flame go right into his open car and the interior of his car catches on fire. The point is, we're only human. And we have to laugh at ourselves because we often find ourselves in a mess, in a crash, in a fire even. And of course, we need a good insurance company to help us out. That's their point. What does it mean to be a human being? That's not a bad question for today, especially as we find ourselves in the middle of April, especially as we find ourselves uh, moving into springtime and there's a sense of vitality in the air. People are getting outside and doing things, running the 10K, all kinds of life and vitality around us. What does it mean to be a human being? Do we need just good insurance and everything will be fine? Well, I like insurance. We all like insurance, but I think there's more to be said about what it means to be a human being and what we need. Indeed, my brother is in the insurance business and he even used to work for that company that made that advertisement. Insurance can be good. Insurance can be helpful. Insurance is needed, but you and I both know we need more than good insurance. Today we have a wonderful baptism with Uh, the Watson family, Paul and Meredith, bringing their son Hayden. Uh, Baptism sets before us something that intends to frame our lives as human beings. As we affirmed with little Hayden, life comes from God. Life originates in God's love. God knows us before we know ourselves. God knows our names before we can say our own names Really, God is all around us and holding us before we can do anything about our lives. The promise of baptism is that God's love covers us. God's love shapes us. And our life as human beings is meant to be framed living with God and serving God in the world. That's what baptism is about. Reminding us who we are and what our lives are meant to be about. Loving God and loving others and living with God in the world. Our scripture today also wants to frame our lives in what it means to be human beings. Do you recall the opening lines of the gospel according to John? The gospel of John starts out with these poetic words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him. What has come into being is life, and the life was the light of the world. That's how it starts. The point of Jesus' life, according to those opening words, is that we find life and light in Him. Human life intends to be shaped a certain way, rooted in God, living life with God, loving and serving God. So the whole of the Gospel of John is an elaboration of this point. So in the next chapter, after chapter 1, there's a wedding in Cana. And you remember what happens at the wedding? The wine runs out. And Jesus comes and turns the water into wine. There's a message there about life and where it comes from. Then in the next chapter, there's this interaction with one of the leaders of the Pharisees. His name is Nicodemus. 
And he has lots of questions about what this life means that Jesus is bringing. And he asks Jesus questions. And pretty soon Jesus says, For God so loved the world that God gave his only son. And in the next story, there's a woman at a well. The woman is looking for water. She has five husbands. Her soul, her body, her life are thirsty. Jesus says, I'm the living water. The next stories keep unfolding. And what is Jesus doing? He's healing. He's helping the lame walk. He's helping the blind see. He's teaching. He's feeding the 5,000. There's a story, again, of a woman caught in adultery. And the people are ready to stone her. And Jesus says, let anyone who is without sin cast the first stone. All these stories about humans and what humans struggle with and about life and what's the point of human life. And Jesus says in chapter 10, I have come that you would have life and life in abundance. And then as the gospel keeps unfolding in John, as it moves along, there's the story of Jesus suffering. And a couple of weeks ago, we revisited that story and Jesus' death. And then two weeks ago today, we celebrated his rising on Easter. And then today's passage is the very last chapter in the Gospel of John, and it shows the risen Jesus. And he has this compelling encounter with Simon Peter. See, following the resurrection, not sure how to react to the empty tomb. And then after the appearance of Jesus with the disciples in the upper room, all that's in chapter 20, Peter says... I'm going fishing. I know some of you would like to do that. I'm going fishing. It was really Peter's way of saying, this has been a bit much. You know, listening to you teach brought about a lot of confusion, but I was with you. And then uh, along the way, uh, that promise that I was going to deny you was a bit much. And then There was the crucifixion that left Peter and his disciple friends in deep sorrow. And then there was this astonishing joy of the empty tomb and Jesus risen. And then there's this experience of seeing Jesus. It was more than he could comprehend. He says, I'm going fishing. We are only human. We're only human. What is life about? But then we read about the charcoal fire in verse 9 of chapter 21. There's the request from Jesus that they go get some of the fish that they had just hauled in. And he does it and they bring it back and they broke bread and they had fish for breakfast. And it says this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And then that familiar memorable, convicting, compelling conversation. Simon, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. And then he says, follow me. See, the whole gospel has been about life, 
life, real life, how to find life, the life God intends for all of us, we find life in God's love. We find life in loving and serving. We find life in feeding God's sheep and following. That's the godly life. That's the good life. That's the Easter life. We find life in God's love and in loving and serving and following. Now, most of us, we know this, most of us live our lives within a certain radius. It has certain general parameters to it. We tend to our loved ones and our families. We go to work and we do our jobs. We stay connected to certain people and we do it in various ways. We try to maintain certain levels of security like we pay our rent or make our mortgage payments. We provide for our kids. We plan for our retirement. We make sure we have money in the bank. We keep building as we can within this certain radius around our lives. And we all move through various seasons, uh, the routines of the year and then the various seasons of our lives, our work life and our parenting life and our adult children life maybe and our health life issues and various seasons that all come and go to all of us in various ways. But what is life about, really? And what is your life about, really? Jesus reminds us in this passage that life, and Easter life, is about loving and caring for others. How much of our lives is really about that? We keep working on it. We keep trying to extend that radius. We keep working on it. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And he does. See, that's the familiar radius of his life, especially with all these crazy things going on. He lives by the Galilee. He has a boat. He has nets. And this is the life of his friends, too. It's all nice and familiar. But, but friends, there's this new reality at work in the world. That's what the gospel is about. This new reality at work in the world. The word has become flesh. He's among us. It's about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Jesus has come near. And this reality confronts all of us. Are we going to just live in the little radius that is our lives? Are we going to give this news a nice glance and then keep focused on the other direction, the things that we're familiar with, the things that make us comfortable, the things that we're good at? Is that what we do? Or are we going to strive to be open and broadened by this Easter life, this sense of God truly at work, present in our midst and calling us to new and deeper places? Are we going to strive to feed God's sheep, tend God's lambs, tend God's sheep, keep doing God's work? This is the calling of all of us. We want to be always striving here in this place to be growing in the ways of discipleship. 
serving God with our lives. We want to be leaning into more and more what our lives are called to be about. The light and the love and the joy and the justice following Jesus. That means that we think about our lives and we keep thinking about our lives way beyond the limited radius that is generally where we operate. Our families, our workplace, our interest and our pursuits. No, we're part of God's broader plans, larger purposes. We don't just go to work. We work for God wherever we find ourselves. We don't just care for our families. We want our families to embody God's light and God's promises for the city and the world. That's how we find life and live into Easter life. We do, not, we do not just work on our own little security and benefits and plans and future. We work for the inbreaking of God, the indwelling of God in all we do. We don't just try to accumulate our money. We see our money as another tool for God's work as we serve God in the world, we can't just offer a few pennies here and a few pennies there and hope it brings about the kingdom. It's about sacrifice and service and generosity out of our gratitude. That's Easter life. Imagine Jesus sitting at your dinner table or in your backyard or on your front porch or standing with you when you're with your friends and saying, by your name calling you. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Calling you by name and saying, do you really love me? Tend my lambs. Do my work. You have plenty of opportunities to do it. This is the calling of all of us. This is the way to Easter life. There's a new book out about Mahatma Gandhi. It's by a Pulitzer Prize-winning author from the New York Times, Paul Lelyveld. The book is called Great Soul. And the picture that emerges of Gandhi in this book is of someone who is intensely human with all the failures and frailties, but also somebody with a powerful vision, vision about what the world could and should be, and a powerful sense of courage to work for it, to step out, to, such that he gives the world inspiration in how he lived. Here's one story that depicts someone intensely human, but also who lives with such an outward care for others, living beyond his limited radius. Gandhi once stepped on a train in India as it started to leave the station. And in his haste to get onto the train, one of his shoes slipped off his foot and dropped down on the tracks. Now, unable to receive it, retrieve it, because the train was pulling away, he calmly took off his other shoe and threw it on the track, trying to get it as close as he could to the other shoe. When a stunned passenger asked him why he had done that, Gandhi smiled and he said, the poor man who found, finds the one shoe on the track will now have two shoes. See, Gandhi looked at the situation in a quick moment of decision with the eyes and a heart 
of imagination and commitment. With his heart and imagination, he lost sight of the simple inconvenience of losing a shoe. Instead, his heart and mind were filled with the vision of a man with bare feet, a man who came upon one shoe and was desperately looking for another shoe. He sensed the man's frustration and disappointment of finding only one shoe. All of this is quickly going through his mind and seeing and sensing all of this unseen to people of smaller hearts and lesser commitments. Gandhi threw his other shoe as close as he could to land on the tracks by his first shoe. He allowed his own loss to turn into a gift of a pair of shoes to someone for whom that gift would make a big difference. To turn our losses into others' blessings. To turn our lives to making the world a more hopeful and hopeful hopeful place, wholesome place, that is Easter life. That's discipleship. Following Jesus. The good life. The God life. The Easter life. It's not just about our lives. It's not about our money, our work, our little worlds. The good life, the God life, the Easter life. It's to make the world better for others, which makes it better for ourselves, which makes it better for the whole world. And God knows we need it. There's too much selfishness in the city and in the suburbs There's too much violence on our streets and uncertainty around our world. There's too much poverty and pain in our hearts and everywhere. The risen Christ says, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. The risen Christ says, follow me. We're invited into Easter life to be part of the inbreaking, the indwelling of God's life in our midst. How about your life? How about our life together? May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, move in our midst. Move in our midst in powerful ways and stir us to Easter life, loving you and loving others today and forever, following Jesus Christ. Amen.